Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on here? It's Jordan Edwards with Clocked In, and we have a very special guest today, Shirley Dreyfus. You may not know her name, but you most definitely know her flag. You can, if you're watching the audio or if you're watching the video, you can see it in the background of her screen. If it's the audio, then it's the flag from 9-11, the iconic photo with the three firefighters hoisting up the flag. That's actually Shirley's flag, and it's had a wild... Uh, life it wasn't it's been there's been a lot of things that happened to the flag throughout its time to get to where it is today in the museum but that's why we have Shirley on to explain it all so Shirley welcome thank you thank you thank you Jordan I'm glad to be here this is um something I felt very strongly about for years I felt that America should know what happened to the flag I always felt this was America's flag. Even though it came from my husband and my boat, I felt it was America's flag. And I never felt that it was my flag. I was planning to donate it it to the Smithsonian because I thought after the firefighters hung it on 9-11, it was under the custody of the city and it would be there. (laughs) And we were planning to give it to the Smithsonian at some point and we, and we um, didn't actually come forward to say it was our flag. So we, Shirley, let's, let's just start off with how, how did it all happen? Like just describe that day and it was, it was really an amazing day. I had a meeting scheduled that morning for eight 30. I never oversleep. I'm usually up by four o'clock in the morning and I'm usually working. I overslept that day. I had two cats by six o'clock in the morning. If you hadn't fed them, they were like hitting you, jumping on the bed, meowing. They didn't do anything. My sister-in-law was visiting from Greece. She overslept. My husband overslept. None of us were awake. He finally woke up about 8.15 and woke me up and said, didn't you schedule a meeting in your office for 8.30? I said, yes. He said, well, you know, it's 8.15 right now. I said, oh, no. He said, so he went to the kitchen and 
I was sitting there and I said, I better call them. I better do something. I said, I'm late. I said, this is really bad. And I'm not usually late. I feel horrible. And so they all got in there for an 830 meeting with me and I'm not there. So it was just about 830 when I called the office to tell them I was going to be late. And as I was calling, the building shook. Um, we lived about two blocks from the World Trade Center. Um, we lived on a corner and I didn't give it a lot of thought. It was like one of those corners where, you know, you figured accidents happened. I figured somebody went into my building, somebody hit it, something happened. I didn't really think about it. Um, the call went right into voicemail. I just said, I'm really sorry I'm late. It'll take me another half hour. I'll be there. I'm sorry. I said, you know, just wait for me. I will definitely be there. Thank you so much for coming. And um, at the same time, my husband was screaming for me to come to the kitchen. Well, I didn't hear him. The building was very well built and I didn't hear him at all. <laughs> And he came into the bedroom and he said, did you hear me? I've been screaming it for you for the last minute. And I said, no, I didn't hear anything. He said, come to the kitchen. He said, a plane just went into our office. I said, what? I said, oh, you mean a little helicopter or something? He said, no. He said, it was a big plane. He saw, I, I saw the pilot. I saw the passengers. I saw everyone. They just barely missed our apartment. He said they went right into our office. He said it was our office that was hit. I was like, calm down. I said, let me look. I looked out the window. I saw what was really basically a fairly small hole, nothing dramatic. And I said, are you sure it was a big plane? And he said, I saw the pilot. I saw the passengers. It was a passenger plane. It went right into our office. He said, that was, that's our office. I said, okay. I said, let me call the office again. I called the office and I got voicemail. About two minutes later, we got a phone call. My husband answered the phone and it was someone working for me. And my husband said, um, Shirley can't come to the phone. A plane just went into the office. And she said, I know I'm in the office. I said, he said, here, <laughs> he handed me the phone. He said, she's on the phone. He said, you have to take the phone. I said, okay. So she said, listen, she said, um, we were in the office. A plane hit our office. She said, your office went up in flames instantly. She said, it was gone. She said, we all happened to be on the other side of the office. She said, nothing happened to us. Um, the main entrance to our office was gone. It was in flames. She said, but we had a second entrance to our office. And she said, that entrance did not have any flames. She said, but the problem was the file cabinets in that room all fell over. And so they blocked the door. So she said, Two of the guys picked up the file cabinets. To this day, I have no idea how they were managed to pick up file cabinets that were totally full. 
And she said, and we got out of the office. She said, all five of us got out. I said, okay, where are you now? She said, I have no idea. She said, we tried the, uh, to get out of the fire stairs. We couldn't open the door. She said, we went into someone else's office that was not in flames. And they're all sitting here working. She said, nobody's moving. No one's doing anything. They're on the phone. They're, they're typing away. She said, I don't understand it. I said, listen, I said, you told them what happened? She said, yes. I said, okay, that's all you have to do. I said, let me hang up with you and I'm going to call 911 right now. So we hung up and I called 911 and I said, uh, a plane just went into the building. My husband said it was a passenger plane. And the operator said, we know, we've been getting other calls. There are people on their way. Um, your people will be okay. They're going to be rescued. I said, thank you. So I tried calling. She said, do you have any idea where your people are? So I said, I don't. I said, however, they said they tried the stairs and there was one office next to the staircase. So this is where I think they are. I said, but I don't know for sure. So I said, let me see if I can call them back. So I tried calling her back. It went into voicemail. I called 911 again. I said, I don't know where they are. I said, this is where I think they are. Um, she said, don't worry. She said, we have people on their way up. They will be rescued. Stay calm. It'll be okay. She was very nice, very polite, you know, not, not upset at all. She just was trying to calm me down. And she said, just stay calm. I said, okay, thank you. And then the plane hit the next building. And we were in Tower 1, and then the plane hit Tower 2. I called 911 again. <laughs> and she said, don't, I said, listen, I said, it's terrorism. A plane just hit Tower 2. She, I said, it hit both buildings. She said, what did you say? I said, a plane hit Tower 2 also. She said, okay. She said, we have people on their way up to get your people. They will be okay. She said, stay calm. She said, it's okay. So I, she was very calm about it, very polite, very nice, was not upset. I turned on the television and the television said, two planes have now hit the World Trade Center. So we were in my apartment. We got some phone calls from family members and friends wanting to make sure we were okay. I said, actually, we are. I said, we were supposed to be in the building, but we overslept. I said, so we're fine. We're here. We don't know what to do, but we are here. So please tell anyone who asks that we're fine and we managed and we're here, but we do have employees in the building. So my husband said, we have to leave. There's smoke coming this way. It's dangerous. We have to get out of here. So we had two cats and I was like, what am I going to do about the cats? I don't know what to do. And we weren't dressed yet. I said, okay, we have to get dressed. <laughs> we have to see if we can get out of here. And my husband and his sister ran out, of, got dressed, ran out of the apartment <laughs> and left me alone in the apartment trying to get the two cats <laughs> 
And I was like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> I couldn't get them. There was no way for me to get them at all. They went under the bed. I couldn't catch them. I couldn't do anything. I left them extra food, extra water, grabbed my handbag, grabbed my contact lenses, ran out of the apartment. And I thought my sister, my sister-in-law and my brother and my husband had left. And what's going they had it. They were waiting for me. At that point, what's going through your head, like your mental state? I was just, I didn't, I couldn't even think. I was like, I was in such shock. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was like, I got dressed. I just grabbed whatever there was, which was my handbag and my contacts. Yeah. And I didn't think of anything else. I didn't think we're going to never come back again. I didn't think we need medicine. I didn't think we need anything. I couldn't think of anything except, okay, I we have to get out of here. Yeah. And I said, I have to find my husband. And so I ran out of the apartment. I got dressed, ran out of the apartment with my handbag. And my husband was waiting for me in the hallway with my sister-in-law. And we got to the elevator. And the elevator, we pressed the button and the elevator came. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And we got in the elevator and there were people in the elevator with children with flip-flops with no supplies for their babies or anything. And I said, do you know that planes have now hit the World Trade Center? And they said, no, we don't watch television. I said, you don't watch television. Okay, but two planes just hit the buildings right next to us. I said, and what are you going to do? They said, I don't know. They said, we're just going downstairs now. We're going to take the babies for a walk. And I'm like, take the babies. Okay. <laughs> we got downstairs. And as we got downstairs, the police were coming into the building. And they said, um, everybody's being evacuated. So I said, can we go back upstairs and get some things? And they said, no, you cannot go back upstairs anymore. The power is being shut off to this building and that's it. You oh, have to wow. leave. So we went out of the building. We were two blocks away from the boats. And my husband got to the corner and said to the policeman, I want to make a left. I want to go down to the boats and make sure the crew was okay and make sure the boats were okay. Yeah, and, and that, the policeman said no. That's because you guys have a boat dining company, right? My my husband had a dinner cruiser business, dinner which cruiser. is yeah, yeah, yeah. which is where the flag came from. And it was right because out of it was on one of the boats. We had two boats down there, and this okay. came from one of the boats. And the boat it came from was called the Star of America, very appropriately named. And you know, he was arguing with the policeman, and he said. I need to get down and see if my crew is okay. I need to see if everything's okay. And they said, you can't. And we said, okay, so where can we go? And the policeman goes, walk to the Bronx. <laughs> and I was like, walk to the Bronx? I said, I don't think I can walk to the Bronx. <laughs> he said, just go north. He said, just go as far as you can, just keep going. I said, when can we come back? He said, I don't know. He said, you may never be able to come back. He said, just keep walking. So we started walking north and 
there were a lot of people on the street, but I was in such shock, I didn't even recognize that there were people there. I mean, I saw some people there barefoot. I was trying to figure out why they were barefoot. And I learned later that the people who were in the building lost their shoes as they were escaping. So that's why they were barefoot. But I didn't really know. I was like in total shock. We got a little bit further north. We got to Pier 40, I believe it was. And there was a water station that was there. And it was a very hot day. And I was glad there was water there. So I took a water. And I asked my husband and I asked my sister-in-law if they would like some water. And Spiro and Marika both said no. This could be from the terrorists. I'm not taking the water. So I said, well, I'm drinking it. I don't care. I want the yeah. water. <laughs> yeah. So I drank the water. The, that touches on the fear that everyone was feeling at that moment and not yeah. knowing what was going on. Yeah, no idea. And it was just scary. So I took the water and then I saw there was a person standing on the street selling water. So I bought my husband and I bought my sister-in-law a bottle of water. And that's when I realized I had almost no money on me. <laughs> so uh -huh. I paid for the water because in my rush to leave the apartment, I always took my money out at night and put it in my nightstand. And because I put the change away and I just put it in a change bottle and I would just leave the bills there and I take them in the morning. But in the rush to leave, I didn't take any money. <laughs> and then I figured, well, what difference does it make? I have credit cards. I have my ATM card. So who cares? <laughs> but then they shut down the power. <laughs> so it did matter. You couldn't use your ATM card. You couldn't use your credit card because so, there was no power. <laughs> so all and the, the banks were closing. The entire Pardon city me? of New York, they shut down on 9-11? They shut down the power on 9-11. Yes, they shut the wow. power downtown. Wow. So there was no power, and the banks were being closed as well. So there was no way to get money, and there was no way to get anything. So we went to Chelsea Piers, and at that point, I said, you know, I can't walk anymore. That's it. That was about two miles, I'd say. I said, I've had it. I said, I, I, let's go to the coffee shop. I said, I have to sit down. I have to get something to drink. I said, I have to sit. I said, I can't do it anymore. And so we sat, walked into the coffee shop and the dock master came and he said, your crew is here. They're worried that you're not alive. Um, I, he said, they're waiting in another boat for you. I said, so, okay we'll go to the other boat. So we went to the other boat that was there and the crew said, we thought because you were supposed to be in at eight 30 that you were in the building. So we said, no, we overslept. We're here. So we sat on the other boat for a while. They gave us water. They gave us something to eat and we just stayed there. And then after a few hours, my husband said, we can't just stay here the rest of the day. He said, let's go off the boat. Let's see what's going on. So we went and we sat in Chelsea Piers. We went to the coffee shop there. Um, we got something to eat. We asked the police, can we go back home? And they said, no, you cannot. Um, I said, when? And they said, we have no idea. Just stay here. You're safe here. So they then opened Chelsea Piers so that the ferry boats could come there to evacuate people. 
and we're sitting there and the phones were not really working. Um, we had cell phones, but they didn't work very well at all, sporadically, but not much. And we're trying to figure out what to do. And then finally, after a few hours, the phones did start working. And a few people called me and said, from New Jersey and said, come to our houses and stay here. And I was like, how are we gonna get to New Jersey? I mean, we can get across the river with the ferry, but the line was outrageously long. We'd have to wait for an hour or two just to get on a boat. And then from there, how are we gonna get to their houses? <laughs> so I said, wasn't a great idea. So then my partner called and said, come to my house. So I was like, okay, well, that's a possibility because that was Brooklyn. So that made more sense. So we waited a while and then our crew said, we're going to go back downtown and see how the boats are, if they're okay. And I said, I don't think you can. The police aren't letting us go back downtown. They said, we're going to try anyway. So about four, around four, three thirty ish they went back downtown and they made it. They got downtown, they got to the boats and they said just as they got there, the firemen had gone on the boats and taken the flag. And they called us and they told my husband the flag was taken off the boat and they're taking it over to Ground Zero. And my husband was like, our flag is being taken to Ground Zero? And I, he, they said, yes, <laughs> we're gonna walk over there right now and see it. <laughs> So our crew went over and saw it and they called my husband and said, our flag is in ground zero and they switched poles on it. And if you look at the flag, you can see the little pole that the flag was hung on. It's in the picture, but they put it on a big pole and you can see that right there on the picture that it was our pole. So it was our flag. And my husband was so happy. He said, that's our flag. That's being, that's the, the iconic flag from 9-11 and it's being in that, it's on, it's being hung right now. And at that moment, Thomas Franklin happened to be there and he took a picture of it. And it was just a coincidence that he was there and he took the pictures. And so the crew went back to the boats and they called and they said, the boats are a disaster. They have debris all over. They are totally covered. Um, we're going to start cleaning them. Um, we're going to try and do what we can, and we're going to set up some rescue stations for the firefighters and coffee and things for them to eat. We're going to try and help them. And we said, that's fine. And, you know, so we, that was okay. And they said, but the, the we think the boats work. They're just covered in them. They're just a disaster, but we think they're workable. So we said, that's fine. It's just do whatever you can to help. That's okay with us. And then we finally said, you know something, we can't sit here all night. Let's go to my partner's house in Brooklyn. <laughs> so we did that. And at this point, you realized that the firefighters took the flag. They took the flag and they hung it. realized the repercussions of what would happen. We did not know until the next day when Franklin's photograph was in the Bergen record. We did not know the importance of the flag. It meant nothing to us. It just, 
My husband was proud that it was his flag that was taken, but it didn't mean anything because there was no picture. There was nothing. It was just, oh, they, they took the flag and they put it on ground zero and it's there. And we, you know, and it was, he was very happy. Every time he looked at the picture, he said, oh, this is so wonderful. And he was just thrilled that it was the flag. And, you know, we were in Brooklyn at the time and the flag was in that picture and we didn't give it a second thought. And I just said, this is America's flag. This is a flag of that day. It's an important flag. It's, you know, it me. it's what, it was recovery to us. It was a symbol of hope to us. It was the only good thing that happened on that day. It was it was the worst day of my life at that point. And that was the only good thing that happened was that the yeah. firefighters took the flag and hung it. Yeah. Cause on that day, so many people have so many stories of where you were at that time and how scared everyone was. And yeah, I completely understand. At least there was some little bit of light and that flag is a symbol of the power of America and that we're not going to fall to this. I know. And we were so happy that the firefighters hung it. We really were because it just meant a lot to us personally. We, um, my husband and I actually met in the world trade center when it was first built and we spent a lot of years working there. We lived down there. It, it meant a lot to us personally, but it also meant a lot to America. And the fact that the flag was there and it was captured in that photograph meant so much to us. And it was very important. But yeah. then, you know, as with everything else, your life has to go on. And we were sure the flag was safe. It was, we saw a flag hung every day at that place. And we never gave it a second thought. And then, um, you know, the flag would supposedly went around the world, went to Yankee Stadium, went to different battleships, went to Iraq, went to Afghanistan. We were like, we were happy that it was our flag. And then one of our friends said, have you come forward and said the flag came from your boat? And I said, no. I said, we never said anything because we never had time. We've just been trying to rebuild our lives. Everything fell apart. So we did not come forward at all. So he said, listen, he said, the most important thing in all of these things is provenance. He said, you have to come forward and you have to say it came from the boat, especially since the boat was the star of America. He said, how appropriate. A flag for that day is comes from a boat called the Star of America. He said, you have to come forward. You have to say it. Well, he kept after us to say something. And we had no place to live. We ended up living on one of the boats. But we really had no place to live. And living on the boat was terrifying because it was, you were in the water and you heard all the noise and the noise because you were in the water and the bedrooms were under under the water level it sounded like bombs every time another boat passed by and it was terrifying it was it was absolutely terrifying and i finally said i can't live here anymore i said i just can't handle it 
So I called our landlord who was extremely nice. And they said, listen, we have some apartments available that are not the right size, but if you want to move and you want to move twice, we're going to have another one available months after that. You're welcome to move twice. We have no problem. We'll help empty your lease, your apartment out. Um, we'll get the movers in no problem. And you can move twice. And we said, okay. And this was your apartment in ground zero. The, the apartments at ground zero. We lived two blocks from ground zero. So you were moving out of there into another building. We were moving out of there to Midtown. Okay. So we moved to Midtown and um, it was better. Our, we got our cats out of the kennel and we had a home and it felt a lot better. And then the plane crashed in Long Island and we saw it from our window and it was absolutely terrifying. It was like 9-11 all over again. And it was just like everything came right back. It was, it, I would say it took five years before you could forget even for a minute what happened on 9-11. Every single conversation we had was on 9-11, we were doing this. This happened before 9-11 or this happened after 9-11. It was just the focal point of everything in our lives. Um, the fact that we survived and the fact that we were going on was just unbelievable. It was hard to even imagine. And But we did. We went on. And finally, my friend called another time and he said, Listen, if you don't come forward and say the boat came from your, the flag came from your boat, I am going to call the paper and I am going to tell them it came from your boat. He said, because it's very important. Provenance is critical. He said, and I don't want anyone to forget where this flag came from on that day because that's important. So I finally, once we were, settled in an apartment and things were a little bit better, I did call the paper and I spoke to the reporter and I spoke to Mr. Franklin and they said, why didn't you come forward sooner? And I said, truthfully, our lives were a disaster. I said, and the provenance of the flag was not first top of mind. I said, so, but we came forward when we could which was probably about three months later. And the flag came from the Star of America. And you can see, if you look at the picture, you'll see our little pole in the picture. I said, so you can see that it really did come from our flat, from our boat. And um, the city now has it. And that's fine because at some point we will donate it to the Smithsonian. And so that was always our intention to donate it to the Smithsonian. And we, because we felt it was not our flag, we felt it was the country's flag and it should be donated to a flag, to a museum that was the correct place for it. And so um, we didn't do anything about it. We just assumed the city had the flag. We did nothing further. Um, and we, I mean, we read all the stories of where the flag went and how people were so were in tears when they saw it and how much it meant to everyone else too. And we were 
glad that the flag did mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, but we didn't give it a lot of thought as to where is it and what did they do with it because we just assumed the city had it it was safe and that was it and we didn't give it a second thought yeah and plus at that point you have so many things going on in your life the moving know, situation was, your the dinner cruise business your your regular office was i had my regular business too this yeah the dinner cruise so business was my husband's but i got suffered well not suffered but i got i got involved with it after 9 11 because he had no i mean times were tough and he said can you help me and i said yes i mean you're married as far as i'm concerned it's for better or worse yeah exactly and you do everything so whatever it, you can it, you can it makes so much sense why you guys were not in a rush to go we have the flag no i mean it's it was a mess and you know our lives were a mess and many you know, others were as well Many other people in New York had that same Everyone thing. was. It was a disaster. I mean, well, the only thing that was very strange, I have to be honest, was we stayed in Brooklyn for a few days, and then we decided, my husband by then had bought a second boat, and we decided, that boat had bedrooms, and we decided we were going, it had, they had no furniture, but they had bedrooms, <laughs> so we thought that we could go stay in one of them. And a friend of mine had a furniture store and we called him and he said that he could get us furniture within three days. So we went there and we went to stay in the boat and he brought furniture and we got all the furniture there and we stayed in the boat. It was, that was, that was just blind luck that we were able to stay there and we had some place to stay because I wasn't sure where we would stay after that. You know? Yeah, it's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And of course, I didn't even think of it. And I have to be honest, I had insurance and the insurance would have paid for a hotel if one was available, but it didn't even occur to me to go to a hotel. I don't know why it didn't, I didn't give it a second thought. And um, then you were gonna mention, I think the part you were on was about the the fundraiser yeah so about i think it was 2002 the firefighters from staten island called us and said we would like to do a fundraiser and can we do it on your boat and it was basically to benefit the children of people who were lost on 9 the firefighters children who were lost on 9-11 um and we said sure and they said, what we would love to do is take the flag that um, originally was on your boat, raise it one last time, lower it, and replace it with a flag from the Capitol. Would you be okay with that? We said, sure, we'd be very happy to do that. So we did the invitations for them. We did the, um, we picked the date, which I think was in August. And um, it was for a regatta, a sailing regatta. And um, we would be the head boat for the sailing regatta. And so all we had to do was go to City Hall to get the flag. So at the point we were planning, instead of going to the Smithsonian, we were going to donate the flag to the city. And so, but part of the agreement was that if we needed the flag, for anything such 
but any benefits such as the one for the firefighters, we were able to borrow it back. So we went to City Hall. It was a Friday night, and our attorney had arranged for us to go to the City Hall. And they, it, we were there a very long time. I mean, we went there late, but we were there a very long time. And we kept saying, where's the flag? What are we doing here? And they said, um, just give us a little while longer. We'll get it. So I said, fine. So we were sitting there and we um, finally got a flag in a box. And they said, bring it back next week. And we're like, she had a real, she kind of had an attitude. And I was like, it's our flag. I mean, if we never brought it back, I mean, what, what are you talking about? That's why we were doing negotiation on donating the flag because it was really our flag. I mean, just because it was taken from our boat doesn't mean that you can go and take someone's property and make it yours. It's still not their property. You know, I mean, we weren't asking for money or anything like that, but we just, you know, it was our flag. And so we wanted it in the, the safe, correct place. And that was it. And that was, that was the only reason we never asked for it back truthfully, because we didn't know where we put it. We said, where can we put it in our apartment? It could get stolen in a flag in the safe. It could get stolen in a bank too. I said, where are you going to put anything? It could be, so just leave it where it is. What's the difference? So in the meantime, we, we got the flag. It was in the box. We went back to the office and someone from the Times had heard that we got the flag. And he, Chester Higgins, and he, he was a photographer. He said, do you mind if I take a picture of you with the flag? And we said, no, that's fine. So he came and he took a picture of us with the flag. And um, when we opened the flag box and took out the flag, and held it up, we were like, my husband and I looked at each other and we said, this isn't the flag. We said, this is definitely not the flag. How'd you know? <laughs> well, our flag was three by five. The flag we took out of the box was five by eight. <laughs> so my husband and I said, this thing can wrap around us twice. What are we gonna do? This is really not the flag. So we did tell the photographer it might not be the flag. We're not sure. Um, we didn't want it. We didn't even know what to say. So he said, it's no problem. I'll take the picture and I'll give you a copy of it. And he took a beautiful picture. I have to say he really did. And I, we got, we went home. My sister had come for the benefit. She wanted to see the flag and she wanted to see the whole thing. And she was in the apartment waiting for us. And I, I said, I'm going to call the attorney right now. I said, can you just do me one favor? I said, do you mind measuring the flag one more time just to make sure that I'm not calling for no reason? So she went and she, um, she, she uh, measured the flag and she said it was uh, five by eight. I said, are you sure? She said, I'm, sure I know how to measure she said I'm sure it's the right flag it's five by eight so I called the attorney and I said listen I said we've got a little problem I said the flag we got was five by eight it was not our three by five flag so he said well what do you want me to do about it I said well 
you tell me. He said, well, it's Friday night. It's very late. He said, if I call City Hall, there's not going to be anybody there who's going to know what to do. He said, and you will not be able to do the benefit tomorrow, he said, because you will now have said this is not your flag. He said, so um, I suggest you call me Monday morning and tell me that the flag was missing. And so that's basically what we did. We called Monday morning and said it was the wrong flag. Um, the minute we took it out of the box at the boat, we knew it was the wrong flag. And um, he said, okay, I'm going to call City Hall and make arrangements for you to return it, which is which he did. And um, so we made arrangements to return it on, um, I think it was Wednesday. We all just said we'd return it. And they had an attorney from, my attorney came. The attorney from, um, one of the attorneys from the city was there. Someone from the press was there. And they were all kind of not that nice. Um, you know, we were returning the flag and they were almost acting as though we had stolen something. And we were like, what's going on? And I just was very, I didn't say anything. And my husband, who's usually more outspoken than I am, um, he just, um, he said, let me talk. He said, so he said, they said, it's not the flag. He, so they pulled it out and they saw all the signatures on the flag, which there was Pataki's signature was on there. Bloomberg's signature was on there. Giuliani's signature was on there. So they said, this is the flag we gave you. So I, my husband said, okay. He said, um, you see the picture with the firefighters holding the flag? He said, how tall is, how big is that flag? He said, that flag is approximately the height of a person. He said, how, he said, so he told the person from, I think she was from the press, from the city. And he said, why don't you stand up and hold up that flag? <laughs> so she was kind of reluctant, but she finally did. Well, of course she couldn't hold up an eight foot flag. I mean, there was yeah. no way. So he said, that's not the right flag. He said, that's not our flag. He said, that is, I don't know what flag. You just gave us the wrong flag. So the attorney was very nice. He apologized profusely. He said, give us a few days. Let us find the right flag. We're, we're sorry for the confusion. And we said, fine. And this went on for probably almost a year. We think we, they kept calling back and saying, we haven't found the flag yet. Just give us a little more time. And we just said, fine. And then finally we realized it was missing and it was not going to be found. So we didn't, we had a, a website put up, find the flag, um, got nothing. We and how did you, how'd you feel at this point? Because I it, was, we were kind of upset. One that we were upset because they thought we stole it, which of course, how could you steal your own property? Um, which was kind of not nice. But then we were upset because the real flag was missing. And that flag meant so much to so many people, including us. Yeah. That that flag should have been really take we didn't take it back because we didn't think we could care for it. So now you have the city losing it and they, if anybody should have taken care of it, they should have. 
So how did it get missing? So we, we went on television several times. We spoke to reporters several times about the flag being missing. And we tried very hard to find it. We, you know, we called people we knew. It was, it was actually in the press quite a bit that it was missing. It was on television. Um, one of the reporters asked Bloomberg, where's the flag? And he seemed like he had no idea. He said, I don't know. And nobody seemed to know. And, you know, this was probably 2002 and no one knew. And we started a, a lawsuit against the city because they said that's the only way you might be able to get your flag because maybe that will motivate them to do something. We really weren't looking for the money, although people, the press was fairly negative and thought we were just in it for the money, but really it wasn't for the money. It was always going to be donated. My husband at that point did say, it's not going to the city, it's going to the Smithsonian. He said, forget it, yeah. Smithsonian. I'm not donating anything to the city after this. Yeah. Uh, well, that was okay. I was okay with that. That was fine. And this went on for quite a long time. And then David Friend wrote a book and he included the book, the flag in the book. And we thought maybe someone would come forward. No one came forward. And then CNN saw the book and then they did a program on the flag and lost his, and it being missing. And um, they said, you know, in, in the terror of the moment, somehow or other it got misplaced and we don't know how. And that's what we thought, truthfully, we believed the same thing. And um, we hoped that after that program, someone would come forward. That didn't happen either. And then I got a phone call um, from the History Channel and the History Channel said that they um, would like to run a program. Brad Meltzer would like to start his season's program of lost history with the flag. Oh, awesome. Um, would I be interested? And I said, of course. So um, we would really like to find the flag. So by this time, it was 2013. So and ago. so a long time had passed. And yeah. so we really didn't think it would ever be found, honestly. And then um, it, you know, the flag, we, we, we did a few filmings and it went very well. And um, the History Channel was willing to offer $10,000 to the person who came in with, um, who had the flag or was able to give good information about the flag. And we thought, we really didn't think it was going to be found or anything was going to happen. And then um, in November of 2014, um, the program was shown October 31st in 2014. It was Halloween. Um, and then the um, police station from Everett, Washington called me in the beginning of November of 2014 and said, we think we have your flag. Someone by the name of Brian dropped it off and said, just give it back to the owners and left. And my husband and I said, this has got to be a hoax. 
<laughs> so I called the police department in Everett, Washington. I said, he said, how do you get to Everett, Washington? And he said, we're in New York City. So I was like, I don't know. How did it get to Everett, Washington? I have no idea. So <laughs> I just said, what am I going to do? So I, I said, um, I called them back and it, it was real. Um, they really did have the flag. They said, we're going to investigate it and you will hear back from us. Um, and we'll let you know what happens. So uh, my husband passed away, unfortunately, on Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving of 2014. Um, but every day, just about until he died, we were talking about what are we going to do with the flag if it's found? He said, it's not going to the city. I don't care. He said, whatever, you, wherever, but it's never going back to the city. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. He said, but it's never going to be found. He said, how could they prove that's the flag? He said, this is ridiculous. It's in Everett, Washington. He said, and how are we going to believe it? So I said, I don't know. I said, but if the police is involved and they tell us it's the flag, we're going to have to believe them. I said, because how are we going to know otherwise? So about um, my husband passed away on December 4th of 2014 um, and I still hadn't heard back from the police department and then I did hear back from them a little bit later and they said you know we think we have your flag um, we're starting to investigate and we think it's your flag um, and I said are you sure and they said no but we are pretty sure it is your flag I said okay they said we'll keep you in, we'll keep you and we'll let you know what's going on, um, and we'll let you know. And I thanked them. Didn't hear from them for quite a while. And then Brad Meltzer called me in 2015. I don't remember the exact date, and he said I would really like to to interview you again. Would that be okay? He said I'm really sorry to hear about Spiro. He said, but could I talk to you? So the minute he said that, I said, he's going to tell me that it's the flag. I said, I know that's what he's going to tell me. I said, there's no reason for him to be calling me other than that. And I was like, I was so sure that's what he was going to say. And he walked in and he said, Shirley, he said, it is the flag. It's coming home. And I was like, I couldn't even believe it. How were you feeling at that time? So I was so shocked and I was so upset that my husband wasn't there. Yeah, I'm sorry about it that. It was, you know, it was it was just awful. It meant so much to him. So we um he he filmed me um with the flag. Um and it was coming home and it was gonna be back in New York. Um and then I started panicking because they said, how do I get it from Everett, Washington to New York? I said, how do I get it here? Do I need to hire Brinks? Do I, what do I need to do? Yeah. I said, because it could get stolen. I said, what do I know? I said, well, fortunately, um, it was a little bit involved, but I 
was insured somewhat for the flag. However, the flag was worth a lot more than I was insured for it. And I could have paid the insurance off and gotten the flag back in my property. Um, and it was worth a lot of money. I, I did call the appraiser and it was worth a significant amount of money more than I was would have paid the insurance back. And I said, you know something, I'm donating the flag anyway. I don't care. I'm not buying it back. And who am I going to sell it to? Somebody who's going to keep it in their basement to themselves to say, I have the flag. I said, this is America's flag. I'm not selling it. I said, forget it. So I we worked it out with my attorney. And um, I agreed that I would not buy the flag back from them and would not sell it. And they agreed that they would not ask me for anything and they would donate it. And they would take care of getting it back to New York so I didn't have to worry about it. So then on September 11th, just September 8th, 2016, on the 15th, just before the 15th anniversary, I donated the flag to the museum. And the picture behind me is, it's from the museum. That is, if you go to see the flag, that is what you'll see. And it is also the cover of a book that I, I wrote on the flag itself and the history. Because after I donated the flag, I, I asked the policeman, I said, from Everett, Washington, I said, do you think I can talk to Brian? Would he talk to me about the flag? And he said, they said, we'll give you his email address. We can't guarantee that he'll talk to you. And he's the one that submitted it from he Everett, submitted Washington. From Everett, and it was Washington. Everett, Washington. It was an amazing story how he got it. It was totally an accident. He was really worried, it, but it was just a happenstance. It wasn't like he knew that he had it or anything. Yeah. It was a, an amazing story. He um, he did know the flag was missing. But he didn't give it a second thought. Actually, he looked down the other the other side of the country, and why it didn't mean nothing to them. You know, after nine eleven, after the first few days, he stopped watching the programs. There really wasn't on much anymore, um, and it wasn't like it was in New York, where it was covered all the time. It wasn't there. So he, um, but he did tape the October thirty first. Brad Meltzer program. And he did watch it the first week of November. And as he started watching it, he said, you know, I think that's my the flag I have. He said, I'm not 100% sure. He said, but it looks a lot like it. He said, I hate to say it. He said, but I think it might be. So he asked his wife at the time, what should I do? And she said, go to the police. And he said, I'm not going to go to the police. I don't want to be arrested. He said, I didn't steal it. He said, how do they know I didn't steal it? <laughs> so she said, well, go to the fire department then. So that's what he did. He went to the fire department with the flag in a plastic bag and he turned it in. And the fire department looked at it on a high resolution computer and they thought it matched exactly themselves. They were like stunned when they watched it and they turned it over to the police department immediately. So that's how, and so then when I 
when I emailed Brian, he, I thanked him tremendously. I said, you did the right thing. I said, so many people wouldn't, but you did. I said, I can't thank you enough. And he wrote me a very nice email back. And then about a year ago, I was telling a friend of mine the story. And she said, Shirley, she said, you're a writer. She said, you're not writing a book about this. She said, what's wrong with you? She said, write the story of what happened to this flag and how it ended up in Everett, Washington. She said, people don't even know that. She said, people don't even know it was missing after 9-11. She said, you're the only person pretty much who knows the story. She said, and you're not telling it? She said, you have to tell it. She said, you have to write the book. So I said, I, she kept telling me, you better write the book. So I started I decided to write the book. So I, about a year ago, I started writing the book. I, I emailed Brian and I said, I'm about to write the book. Um, would you be interested in being, helping me with it and letting me know? He said, I know the whole story. I know exactly how it went missing. I know exactly how it came to Everett, Washington. I have the entire story. He said, I said, will you work with me on the book? He said, absolutely. That's phenomenal. <laughs> um, it was like unreal. I, I couldn't believe it. I, it was like, how did, how did it happen? I just, I still don't even understand it that I got, um, you know, that lucky that someone, you know, watched Brad Meltzer's program on the other side of the country realized he had the flag and actually came forward. Yeah. I, I just, I, I couldn't even believe it. I really couldn't. I mean, to this day, I don't believe it. I really don't. It's like, you know, what do you say um, about, you know, something that's so unreal that um, I just, uh, you know, I, I can't even think about it. It's like, you know, how did how did he um, you know how did how did he watch the program? How did he know it was the flag? How did the whole thing happen? And then he told me the whole story. The whole story is even more amazing. So he um, how he got the flag was like an unreal story. And um, I should actually give you Brian's whole name because that's not right. It's Brian Thompson Brown, Thomas Brown. <laughs> Okay, so he, uh, so what happened is um, someone who worked on Ground Zero, the person I, the people who were involved refused to give me their names. I'm accepting it because the police investigated and I'm sure what they're telling is true. If the police accepted it, I have to accept it because yeah. they're obviously more authority than I am. So if they don't want their name mentioned, I'm fine with it. They are um, the person who actually stole the flag um, from Ground Zero took not only that flag, took a lot of other things. He was what I would call a hoarder. He collected a lot of things. He had a storage locker. He actually worked in Ground Zero and he passed away to about two years later of a lung condition. I'm assuming he got it from ground zero. His wife moved to Seattle, Washington, where her family was from. 
And C then um, took the all of the stuff that was in his locker because he kept everything he saved in the locker. And she took everything from the locker and had it sent to her in Washington. And But she didn't know what to do with it herself. And she asked her sister, she said, can you do something with it? She said, because I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know what it is even. And I don't want to know either. So her sister said, yes, I'll take care of it. So her sister had a friend who was a friend of Brian's also. And um, he actually bought things that were like, you know, estates that were without any recognition of value or anything. He just bought them and sold them. Yeah. Or gave them away. So he was having a barbecue. He invited the uh, woman's sister and he invited Brian. And she came with a box full of stuff and this flag and two other flags. So Brian's friend said, um, do you want anything? And Brian said, well, you know, I collect flags. He said, so I wouldn't mind the flag with the shackles on it. And I wouldn't mind one of the other flags. He said, they're interesting flags to me. And so that was, I think, around 2006. He said, and so his friend said, here, take them. He said, it's fine, take them. I'm fine with it. So he gave him the flags and Brian felt he was happy to get rid of them. <laughs> so he just, um, Brian took the flags, he brought them home and he put them in a trunk in his house. And he then went to a museum and he met someone in the museum who was a curator to find out what, how do you preserve flags? So the person said, well, what you should do is put them in a freezer, take all the air out, and that preserves them and keeps their color and keeps them fresh. Um, so that's what he did. He put them in a, in, the, in a freezer in his house and he forgot about them. And then um, his daughter was in the Girl Scouts and she wanted to bake some cookies. They were doing cakes and they were doing a giveaway. So he, they needed the freezer to freeze the cakes. So he took the flag out and he threw it back in the locker in his part, in his house. And he, he forgot about it again. So it stayed there again. So it, it was in his house until 2013 when he saw the program from 2014, when he saw the program from Brad Meltzer. He was in his house the whole time. Absolutely. Never left his house, never anything, didn't know it was valuable, didn't know it was anything, didn't know it was the flag from 9-11, had no idea. Until the police started their investigation, had no clue at all. So the police actually did a lot of investigation. Um, they did forensic analysis of the flag, and unfortunately... Um, how they discovered it was the right flag. And it was actually, there was actually forensic evidence done in Washington, analysis done in Washington as well. And they both came to the same conclusion. The flag had the dust buried in it of human remains from 9-11. Oh, wow. So that's how they were sure it was the right flag. I mean, so terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And, you know, Brian was heartbroken that he had the flag that long and it was you know 
it meant so much and that there are, you know, human remains on it. He, it was horrible for him. It was horrible for me. I mean, yeah, the whole thing was horrible. And it's just, you know, it was, you know, so I was very happy to donate it because even though, of course, they'll never know whose remains are on the flag. It's still there for whoever lost people on 9-11 to see. And that's the most important thing. You know, yeah. so right now, unfortunately, the museum is closed because of the pandemic. They are hoping on September 11th, it will be open again. There's no guarantees with what's going on in the world. Um, I hope it will be. Um, unfortunately, even if it will be, there's a very good chance that the flag will not be visible again until next year. So we're hoping that um, at some point the flag will be visible. At that point, I will do a print volume of the book, which will be sold at the museum, and the museum will be making money from it. And um, they need the money because they've been closed the whole time. They had to do a major layoff because of 9-11. Uh, I'm sorry, not because of, not because of the pandemic, and it's been horrible for everyone. Yeah, and so I'm hoping that the sale of the book will help them. I am going to move ahead with doing an Amazon version of the book. Okay, and I'm going to be donating a portion of every sale to them as well because I really do believe in the museum. I believe my husband would be happy to be have it in the museum that is in New York. It is privately funded. It is not part of the city of New York. Yeah. And so it is a separate museum. And it it means a lot that it is a separate museum. And it means a lot to me that the flag is there. And I really do want people to be able to see it. And I want people to remember that day. I mean, it's very hard now because we're in the middle of this horrible pandemic which is going on forever, it seems, compared to a one day of, Man. you know, of what happened, terror. But unfortunately, that one day went on forever for all of us who were involved yeah, and, in it. And I actually um, found this, that in the, in the museum where you put it, the caption of it is, in the darkest hours of 9-11 when our country was at risk of losing all hope, the raising of this American flag by our first responders helped reaffirm that the nation would endure, would recover and rebuild, and that we would always remember and honor all those who lost their lives and risked their own to save others. We always, we, ha we had always hoped this special flag and its story would be shared with our millions of annual visitors coming from around the world, and for that, we're thankful for Shirley Dreyfus, the city of Everett, the History Channel, any networks, and Chubb. So after reading that, it just reminds you of how iconic this flag is. And I'm definitely going to buy a book on Amazon. We'll have it in the link of the podcast when it releases. It will. And it's, I can't imagine that anyone who lived in that tri-state area, especially in New York, wouldn't get a book. It's it's part of American history. I'm my hope is I you know I, I had a lot of choices to make with the book. I'll be honest, I could have gone the cheap way and done the whole thing black and white, and I chose not to. The whole thing is in color. All of the pictures are in color. There are a lot of pictures of the day in color, 
everything is in color um, because I think it's important to see everything that happened. And I think we should see the flag the way it really is. And I, we should see the pictures the way they really are. And so I went with doing a colored book and I'm hoping that the people who go to the museum will see it and will want to take it take one home and we'll know that every book they buy, whether it's from Amazon or whether they buy it at the museum, will help support the museum. And yeah. the museum will need that help going forward because it's been a terrible time for everyone. Yeah, with the coronavirus, the museum's had a it's, ton of layoffs. They've had total layoffs. It's been horrible. And, you know, they don't even know when they're going to open. We're hoping they'll open by a 9-11. And fortunately, New York is doing okay right now, but there's no guarantees. This virus yeah. seems to have a mind of its own. For sure. And it's like, it's terrible. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I feel, I almost feel, you know, talking about the flag, it was one day and it was terrorists that did this to us. Whereas the pandemic, it was something that, Nobody did to us, and we can't stop it either. <laughs> and it's just going on and on, and it's hitting everybody in the whole world. However, yeah. on the other hand, there were so many people in the building on 9-11 that were not Americans. They were from every country in the world, and they were all hit that day. It didn't matter where you were from. Yeah, and I think the one of the things you mentioned is that with 9-11, everyone showed community. With this coronavirus, I think one of the keys is that we show community and we express stories like these that are really uplifting because we are all we're on team human race. You know what I mean? We are. And and I think this is it. I mean, this the flag brought us all together. It it and it wasn't just people in the United States. I have um, paintings from artists in other countries in the book. Um, because the, the 9-11 meant so much to them as well. They're not American. They were not born here, but it was just as important to them as it was to Americans. It didn't matter. The day was a horrible day, and this happening and the terrorists doing this was, was awful. We only hope it doesn't happen again anyplace else, you know, Fortunately or unfortunately, because of the pandemic, not, the terrorism has seemed to have stopped because there's so much going on with the pandemic that there isn't any headline space for anything else. Yeah. But my fear is that once the pandemic stops, the headline space for terrorism will appear again and we'll see this again. And my hope is if we all stick together, not just as a country, but as a world, we can stop terrorism because we have to do that. Completely we have agree. to work together. It's it's up to all of us to work together. Completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Well, Shirley, I have appreciated you sharing this. And for everyone listening, this is the first press release of the book that's going to be coming out about the flag. And I'm really grateful that you chose Clocked In to be uh, – have that space i appreciate it thank you very much and i'm i was happy to do it and i'm happy to share it with someone from new york because i think i think that's important too because it really hit everyone from here more than 
every other place. One hundred. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, even people not in this area. I was getting mail to myself in the World Trade Center a year later, and I was saying, um, "You have the wrong address. There is no World Trade Center." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I said. Um, the buildings went down on 9-11 and they were like, what, what buildings? They were just, it, it didn't mean as much as it did if you were in this area. Yeah, for sure. Everyone who grew up in my town, I grew up in Ridge, New Jersey, and it was just beyond iconic. It was just, it was a horrible day and I hope it never gets repeated. Just yeah. like I hope this coronavirus goes around and never gets repeated yeah. Again, either. I well, I think the entire, the entire city of New York is very grateful that you donated the flag, Shirley. It definitely means a lot to them and everyone who visits the museum. I'm, I hope everyone does. I hope it, it did. It does help. It means it meant a lot to us, and I hope it means a lot to everyone else. There is like absolutely no way I would have sold that. That is yeah. really part of America. Yeah. And you can't sell part of America. I love that. I love it. Well, Shirley, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And make sure to guys to check out her book on Amazon. It's going to be in our link when we post the podcast, but I really, I hope everyone checks it out. I'm definitely going to get a book and it's a, uh, it's, it's for the people of, who work at the museum. And then also to get the story out there on what really happened with the flag. And there's great photos in it as well. So I hope everyone gets a book and Shirley, thank you again. You're very welcome. <laughs> thank you for listening to the entirety of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, which I hope you did, I'd really appreciate if you leave a five-star review and subscribe as we're going to keep putting out better and better content. If you want to keep up with us and who's going to be a guest and who's going to be on the show, follow me at at Jedwards559 on Instagram. It's J-E-D-W-A-R-D-S 559 on Instagram. I really hope you guys keep clocking in and you learn some valuable information from this podcast and I hope to see you again soon. Everyone have a great day. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.